I'm at the final against Minnesota and they go to overtime and so I'm going to go and I'm going to take a walk around the arena just to pass time. And I hear the horn go and I'm like, okay, I'm going to be a little bit late. And then I'm walking and the horn goes again. And and I look and there's a woman security guard standing in the corridor and I can't see who scored. She goes, Minnesota. And I went. <laughs> and and yelled inside the biggest swear word. <laughs> It was internalized, and I walk over and I said, that's not Minnesota, and I started running downstairs. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 10th Second Podcast. My name is Keith Woodward. I'll be your host. On today's podcast, we're talking with Steve Hagwell, who just retired as the commissioner of the ECAC, and also the other voice you'll hear today is Billy Mecca, Senior Associate Athletic Director at Konopiak University. With that, here's Steve Hagwell. You have been in hockey a long time. Is that is that pretty much a true statement? Yeah, considering how many how old I am, yeah, um, started uh, got involved with it um, in the at the NCA. Had the pleasure of working there back when it was in Overland Park in the '90s, and um, got this job with the ECAC. Well, got hired by the ECAC. Uh, in August of 99, and since then have been with the league uh, to this point, yes. And you were associate commissioner when you first started before taking mm-hmm. on the... Yeah, I actually went to the uh, ECAC on Cape Cod at the time. Um, the former NCA staffer, Phil Buttafuoco, was the commissioner. He hired me as the um, assistant commissioner for public relations. Um, I started August 23rd, and then two months later, Jeff Fanter, who was overseeing hockey, uh, decided to leave. And um, Phil called me on a Friday afternoon. Now, this is how I, you know, remember it. It may be revisionist history. <laughs> called me on a Friday and said, um, Jeff's leaving. We need to find somebody. And I said, I'll do it. And he said, what? And I said, I'll do it. And we talked on Monday, and he gave me the associate commissioner's job for ice hockey. And that's how I got started. Volunteering, sticking your hand up in the air, saying, give it to me, I'll do it. Works every time, huh? It's always been the sport, my favorite sport. Love it. Um, played it. Wasn't good at all, um, but love the game and always followed it. I have a twin brother. We grew up watching Hockey Night in Canada. I'm a Montreal, lifetime Montreal fan. He was a Leafs fan, and we just always loved hockey and been blessed to work in it for all these years. Very nice. Why don't we talk a couple, before we get to some of the the successes of the ECAC, why don't we talk a little bit about uh, college hockey in terms of where we are today and where we're likely headed, Um, and we can start with Everybody's three letters, I'm sure, in the NCA is NIL, and uh, and how that name, image, and likeness kind of has kind of really taken us down a different path. Yeah, it's. I tell people again. I had the privilege of working at the NCA in the '90s, and it's just different now. Uh, I'm a dinosaur. Um, it's changed so much, and I'm not saying good, bad, or indifferent. It's just changed. Uh, NIL, whether it's the portal. Um, whatever you, you want to talk about, um, it's just different. NIL, I, I'm still trying to get my hands around it. I see that the U.S. Senate is is proposing a bill to to put in parameters, if you will, from a federal standpoint. Saw a headline that the SEC commissioner indicated that they could take it on within their league as long as all the states within their league had the same provisions. Well, I mean, what's the likelihood of that? <laughs> so, 
Um, I don't begrudge the student athletes from from getting um, any monetary benefit that they can. I mean, they're, they're the stars of the show, if you will, in many aspects. So, but where it's going, um, I think it's far from resolved. Um, I saw President Baker uh, come out and talk about how the IRS is going to not allocate um, tax deductions, if you will, to people who give into these collectives, which is going to probably have a huge impact. So there's just so much going on that it's just it's a different NCA. And again, for me, I mean, I'm not saying it's good or bad or or but for me, it's just different. And um, I'll be watching from afar how it changes. And it's probably going to be a lot different three years from now. Right. I mean, in terms oh, yeah. of because hockey is is it fair to say it's on the maybe the tip of the iceberg and we're not quite. Not as much as football and basketball. Right. Certainly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the portal and all the things that the basketball and people uh, football people are experiencing. I mean, it's bleeding into hockey and it's coming along a little bit slower. But yeah, if you talk three years from now, uh, it'll be a totally different landscape, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I think it will be as well. It's um, it's it's interesting, actually, just to kind of see how it all happens uh, just from the from the student athlete perspective. Right. Because as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. they are the they are the performers, if you will, on the on the court Mm -hmm. or on the rink or on the field, whatever the surface um, and so, so yeah, so. But my, my old school is going to change here. Sorry to cut you off because no. um, I look at the benefit of a college education. Mm-hmm. And if you get a scholarship and covers the expenses, whether you, whether you go to Quinnipiac or any team in this league, as an example, there's great benefit to that. And not just for the four years or five years, whatever it takes you to, to graduate, but for your, you know, the impact it has on your future career and life moving, moving forward. So there's a, I think there's needs to be a balance there. Um, I don't know how that's attained, but just my old school dinosaur mentality. So, so let's let's advance to two thousand and three uh, or so, and I believe uh, the University of Vermont calls up uh, you or somebody at the ECAC and says, "Hey, we're thinking about Hockey East," and I, and you take that call, and how does that go? Well, I, I actually wasn't in the slot, commissioner slot at that point. Um, and it was a year later, as I recall. Oh, was it four? Okay. I think it was January um, of, of 2004. And it certainly caught me off guard. Whether my boss at the time, Phil, had gotten a call from the hockey's commissioner, Joe Britannia, or even um, Rob, Bob Korn, who was the AD at the time, um, I don't recall that they did. It was kind of a surprise. And I mean, a school's not going to go out and you know, you tell people something and it's going to leak. So I, I think they kept it close to the vest and that's not right or wrong. And they, that was their decision. And um, that's what the University of Vermont wanted at the time. So it was a bit of a shock, frankly. Um, and I do recall it. Um, and um, yeah, it was an interesting time to be, to be frank. So he walks in and tells you that this is a possibility or you read it or because there's probably no uh, internet back then. I read it. I, 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 oh, okay. I, you know, with, with most people, I think the release came out, uh, the, Vermont might have released something at the time. Hockey certainly did. And it was like, they're leaving. And again, it was a year. I think they were talking about staying through the current year and then going the following year. So there was a little bit of time, but it was still a shock. I do remember there were certainly some coaches and probably administrators who said, and again, emotions run high, right? We're never going to play them again. Um, and there were others who said, look, we've we've had a relationship with these people for a long time. Kevin Snedden was the coach. I think Rick Farn, well, Bob Corn was the AD. Rick Farnham had been a longtime AD prior to that. They were good people, and and teams continue to play them, and they still do. So, um, 
but it was it was an interesting time to be sure. Yeah. So, so what does the ECAC do at that point? So you guys obviously need to find a what, 12th partner, right? Or, or to make yeah, yeah uh, the number 12 has always been a great number, and other leagues want to get to 12, and there's something about 12 from a scheduling standpoint and so on. And so, as I recall it, we we took the news, and after a short period of kind of getting over it and saying, okay, what do we do now? Um, we pulled together a, we have subcommittees, if you will, of our administrators. Uh, we have an executive committee, a promotions committee, uh, championships, et cetera. And we had a group that uh, at the time we called the DLC, which was Development and Legislative Committee, get together and uh, talk about whether the league wanted to stay with 11 and not add, uh, add a member to get to 12. We considered 13. Um, the large part for me at that time, again, I wasn't the commissioner. This was probably a month later in February that I had to draft some schedules, what they might look like, what what travel partners might look like. Would we keep travel partners for 10 of them? Dartmouth would be on its own, et cetera. So we had a lot of information to sift through and we had a number of calls and the coaches had calls um, on what they wanted. And as I recall it, they wanted to take it slow, if you will. They weren't in a rush to just add a program. Um, they, if they wanted to go in that direction, they wanted to make sure it was the right program. So we did that. And as I recall it, we sent out a, uh, a release that said, look, we're soliciting interest. If your institution is interested in, in joining this league, um, here's the deadline. What I was not an advocate for, and I will never be an advocate for, is calling a school in another league behind the scenes and saying, hey, mm -hmm. you want to come? I consider that poaching, and I wanted, personally, nothing to do with it. And I'm glad that our league did not want to take that path as well. So how many callers? How many people uh, called you and said, hey, we'd like to start this conversation? We we had some callers that maybe never stepped forward. And officially, we had five programs that officially got in the mix and sent in their materials and said, hey, we want to be part of this process. And that was Holy Cost, Niagara, Mercyhurst, Sacred Heart, and Quinnipiac? That is correct. And so what's the process? So you got five interested suitors uh, that want to want to come into the league. You vet them in some way, shape, or form? Sure. We, we asked for, again, we had applications. And so there were materials that we wanted from them on, at the time, we had an academic index. Uh, the Ivy League had one. I remember so the other schools did as well, uh, what their academics were and, and the whole nine yards about the university. Uh, what your plan is for hockey, what's your current budgets, what are you providing, um, coaching salaries, whatever may be the case. And then we gather that information and we set up uh, site visits. So we had select administrators and coaches go to these various sites. And I was um, on a couple of them, I went to Niagara with Wayne, the late Wayne Dean of Yale and Anita Brenner at Cornell. She's still their deputy athletic director. I went to Sacred Heart. Others went to Holy Cross, uh, Mercy West, and we came back. We had uh, wanted to check out their facilities, uh, their locker room situation, et cetera. Again, the whole nine yards with regard to hockey. And we came back and gathered that information and compiled it and shared it with the coaches and administrators. And we had a number of, at that time, conference calls um, to go over this material. So once we had that, we had the site visits. Uh, we set up a date for in-person presentations. We were in New Haven at the Omni Hotel and the representatives from the five institutions came and we staggered their presentations and conducted those over a two or three day period. 
so a little facetiously, but when you came to Quinnipiac and you saw the locker rooms at Quinnipiac, which <clears throat> probably did not exist on campus at that time, what the no. what what was? We'll get into that in a second. But well, what, we knew what was the played, assessment there. Well, we knew they played the rink they were playing at the time, and boy, the name is Northward Northward Ice Pavilion. Yeah, yeah, and um, and so we went and checked it out. I remember I was there. Jack McDonald was there. Um, and same thing with Sacred Heart. They were playing in Milford, I believe. Yep. I believe and right. they said, hey, we, we, you know, bo- both Jack and at the time, um, his name escapes me, Don, I want to say, the Sacred Heart AD, longtime AD. Oh, yeah. Forget his last name. Yep. Um, and they said, hey, we get, Jack had this at the presentation, this beautiful booklet on, on the rink and so on. And, and, um, Sacred Heart at the time said, hey, we'll, we're talking about building one, but they didn't have any documentation. And, and so, yeah, when the, we went to those facilities, I mean, the coaches wanted to make sure it was easy. I'll never forget. I was like a little apprehensive just to fast forward and I'll come back when uh, they were at Quinnipiac was admitted in the first year they played in that, in that facility. I was like, oh my gosh, what are the coaches to say? Dartmouth went there and they were like, it was great. We pulled in the bus. We walked out of the bus door. We were in the locker room and we were gone. It was, it was about convenience. Exactly. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's a different perspective. I've never, I would never thought that would come to, to the forefront, but it did. Um, so, but Jack had the plan, and in January of 2007, we're going to build this beautiful facility, and you're going to play here, and blah blah blah. And and so, at the end of the day, it was and that that was the presentation. I'll say one thing with without any disrespect to the other programs, Jack and President Leahy, they came prepared. I mean, across the board, and it was clear um, from my perspective they were prepared for this. Yeah. Okay, so the group goes back. You've got five presentations. Yeah. Now, I, I, I may not have this right, and we may have to edit this out, uh, Justin, but uh, my understanding is Qu- Quinnipiac might not have been the first selection. Is that true? Uh, no. Oh, okay. No. Okay. No. I, no. I had heard we, of- we had a number of calls. I, I would say, I will say this, um, and I hope I'm not talking out of school, but I'm going to say it, so if people take a Yeah, question. you're retired. I, that when, <laughs> when we were looking... I mean, again, our schools had an academic index and the academic aspect was extremely important, still is to this day. And there were some within our league who looked at Holy Cross and said, that's a very good academic fit right there. And thank, not thankfully, I give credit to our administrators and coaches because they went in with an open mind. And um, and at the end of the day, we came out and we had a number of calls like, I have to go back and look at how many calls we had. At the end of the day, present in-person presentations, talking about it. We had to go to our policy committee was the next step. I mean, even once the ADs decided and voted and the coaches, they took their recommendation and the ADs uh, voted, we still had to go to our policy committee, which which is a group of, of 12, a representative from each institution who is serves at the discretion of the president. So the president says, I want Provost Hagwell to be our representative and union may say hey i want our faculty faculty athletic rep to be so we have tw- so we had to present to that group as well in drafting a contract for what membership would look like and whether we were going to put a entry fee and exit fee and they had to approve this so on behalf of the president so that took some time so this whole thing didn't get done until probably late august early september um but that was another step in the process up next in the conversation is billy mecca Senior Associate Athletic Director at Quinnipiac University. About 2004, Vermont, 
essentially sends out a press release. ECAC has no idea that they're going to do this and says, yeah, we're going, we want to go to Hockey East. Internally at Quinnipiac, what is occurring? I got a guy in Jack McDonald that's sitting up in his office. We're having a conversation and says, Billy, we're going to the ECAC. Now, I think there's a fine line by, between being genius and being nuts. And I think Jack straddled that line. <laughs> but he wasn't afraid to dream. And for whatever reason, Keith, he believed that our next step from Atlanta Cocky was to, like a game of checkers, when you get kinged and you can move all over the board, Jack was ready to move all over the board and said, we're going after this, we're going to get it done, and rallied the troops. And that presentation that day when the ECAC came in was one of the magical moments which helped Rand become the coach and the program that we all know. So Quinnipiac has to sell, right? So they're competing of one of five, right? And and probably I think everybody would say Holy Cross academically would probably was a better fit than Quinnipiac was at that moment in time. No doubt. And I would say they were a better fit on the men's hockey side than Quinnipiac was. So mm-hmm. you're right. Holy Cross was the prohibitive favorite, and we knew we had to beat them. Mm-hmm. And so talking with Steve Hagwell, a former ECAC commissioner of hockey, he said almost verbatim what you said was the program that was put together for the presentation was by far the best. First class. We were in the Alumni Board of Governors. Uh, John was there. Jack was there. We had prominent alumni. Pat Healy, Joe Rubitone. You know, guys that we don't really talk about, Keith, we know. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's the Vice President of Facilities and Joe Rubitone, Chief Financial Officer and Pat Healy. Um, guys that were had a hockey background, that understood hockey. Uh, Pat's son played hockey, uh, Rick Healy. So it was an all-in approach, and I think that's the one thing I think you realize during your stay here at Quinnipiac. Um, when the institution says they're committed, you get buy-in from everybody. And on that particular day, you had incredible buy-in. And really, Quinnipiac put on one of the best shows I think I've ever seen um, in terms of their preparation. In terms of, honestly, I sat there and listening to questions and the answers, and to be honest with you, I thought we knew too many of the answers. That it just went too good. We knew how important the women's ice hockey programs were to the ECAC. And we had built our women's ice hockey program, and it was at a level that far exceeded our competitors. And if there was something that broke the tie, if there needed to be a tie, um, it was the ability for the ECAC to turn around and go, they're so far ahead with their women's program, how do we not take a chance on them? So when does Jack tell you that we're in, the university's in, and how does he tell you? Jack never shared that secret. So- Jack was sworn to secrecy, and Jack knew three months prior to when the decision was public 
um, from either Wayne or Steve. And the only people that knew that were John Leahy and Jack McDonald. And waited for the announcement to... Waited for the announcement to turn around and come out and say, we're in. And that's where luck and preparation meet, right? You need yeah, it's an, opportunity. You need an opportunity. You get the opportunity, and you you don't realize what it eventually leads to. Obviously, national championships and Frozen Fours and so forth. But it is an incredible opportunity that the university went after, right? They, they earned it. As you've well described, they earned it. But it was certainly an opportunity for them to elevate not only the athletic department, but also academically, as, as, as you referenced. Well, look, you're not going to win a national championship from the Atlantic Hockey League. No disrespect mm-hmm. to anybody in that league. Or an independent. Or an independent. It's not going to happen, right? So, Sorry. Um, you know, I would sit here and have a conversation with somebody. I would debate with anybody that would want to debate. ECAC hockey, Quinnipiac's acceptance and invitation. Top 10 things ever happened to this institution. I might argue it's one of the top five things that's ever happened to this institution. To be teamed up with the likes of Yale and Harvard and Cornell and Dartmouth and like that just don't happen overnight. And you know, as you look at this thing, Keith, and you sit back and little things flash through your mind. They set the banners up at the TD Bank Sports Center. You know, and when they were originally set up, I, I think they had Quinnipiac banner, banner hanging um, maybe next to Colgate and whoever else it was. And I remember John Leahy walking into that facility and without missing a beat. What are you all doing? That's not what these banners are going to look like. You're putting Quinnipiac next to Yale and Harvard and Cornell on the other side. Because who you play and who people see you're associated with, the perception now becomes Quinnipiac's an Ivy League institution. And who made the call to Quinnipiac to say you were in? Um, I I had the pleasure of, of calling Jack. Um, I had the responsibility of calling the other representatives, which didn't go as well either. Um, well, and rightfully so, they were disappointed. Sure, but yeah, I, I had the, I had the pleasure of doing that. Yeah. And how did, did was that? Uh, obviously, a happy phone call. Obviously, a good yeah. phone call. Yeah, yeah, very and much so. It was uh, how how was Jack at the time? Uh, how was he yeah. at the time? As I recall, he was elated. Yes, and uh, very thankful and. It's the one thing I remember about Jack, and this was pre-Vermont uh, leaving. I just remember it reading in an article, maybe it was the Boston Globe or something once, and Jack went out and publicly said he was going to get into Hockey East or ECAC Hockey. And I was thinking, I remember calling Joe, and I'm like, Joe, I mean, where is this coming from? But he just he said it out there, and he was correct. He was a prophet. So I'll give him credit for that. As part of the conversation with the ECAC, Quinnipiac commits to $60 million to build a brand new sports arena on the top of a mountain. And at that moment in time, there isn't even a road or a pathway to the top. Had to change the landscape. Listen, it was our Garden of Eden, dude. We had the best facility in the country, arguably, except for North Dakota. 
I don't even know who the hell North Dakota was in hockey because I'm still a hoop guy. But I'm enjoying the ECAC. I'm third man in the booth down there talking to people <laughs> um, on my run for an Emmy nomination. Um, but you look what they did. You look what was built, how it was built. There were no shortcuts. Was it 18, 19, 20 million dollars just to get up right, the hill? Right, the, the road, right? Yeah, $15 so, million. Dollars. Let me sidetrack a little bit to the visit, which I think is a classic story. Steve Hagwell, Wayne Dean, and the crew want to see, because we're preaching we're building this building. Where are you building it? Yep. Come on, hop in the car. They go on a car, turn left on Sherman Avenue. Sherman Avenue, Mm -hmm. right? Drive a quarter of a mile, and there's a bulldozer, dude. A bunch of rocks. Bulldozer, and a handful of broken rocks, and a mountain the size of Sleeping Giant, dude. And Which might have, might as well have been Mount Everest. It right? didn't matter, it, it, dude. It, you weren't making it, it, that climb. Right, right. You were not making that climb. But to listen to Healy and Rubitone tell Wayne Dean and Steve Hagwell, we're ready to crank this bulldozer up tomorrow. We're getting up that hill. Um, was comical in that they believed it, but also the strength of their vision that we're going to get this done. So two years to build it, and now you got the Taj Mahal, which now opens up a recruiting opportunity that never was there before. You talk about what a beautiful campus we have, and now you're going to bring hockey guys in and have an opportunity to see that facility with an institution that's committed. Man, it was the perfect marriage. Locker rooms. Lounges, dude. Lounges. You never thought of pre-locker rooms, Keith. You walk VIP into a VIP lo- seating. Come on, man. You name it. Uh, a, a pre-locker room where you walk in with your gear, you take your gear off before you go into the regular locker room. Like, it was state-of-the-art. I remember Big Daddy Eric Cruz, right, who was working on behalf of Quinnipiac yeah, yeah, Man yeah. in terms of building. Construction manager. Uh, yeah. Right? Um Rubitone and Healy and McDonald and them took tours of the top facilities in the country, and they took a little bit of everything that everybody else had, whether it be BC, BU, North Dakota, and they came back and uh, they built their dream. There's no rink, right? Well, there's a rink. We're at Northford Ice Pavilion. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. But but plans. And did you actually look at the property that it was going to go on when you visited? Yes. Yep. And, and we did have provisions um, with regard to, hey, if you don't make it, you say, you're saying January of 2007. What if this thing gets keeps getting pushed? I mean, um, I don't have the specific language, but there were provisions in there that if you don't have it built and ready to go by X, um, there might be a penalty of some sort. It was probably monetary or financial, uh, but I do recall that. And um, he said, no, January, we're going we're gonna to have it done. And, and lo and behold, um, he had the date set, and um, and they they met the timeline. Yeah, I think yeah. it was January twenty yeah. seventh, two thousand and seven. I think is when yeah. the first yeah. first game there was. And I think, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, the first ECAC hockey game was up at the Hartford Civic Center, and Gordy Howe Gordy Howe dropped, Howe dropped the puck. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. uh, and did that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, interesting. It's interesting. It's interesting how that all happens, right? I mean, in terms of it's yeah. not often. I mean, there's obviously right. The Big Ten has just gone through some alignment issues. Uh, probably mm-hmm. what about four or five years ago, um, or maybe it's more than that now. A little more. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Maybe 2014 yeah. or 2015, yeah. whatever it was. Um, and there's still some schools out there that are independents, right? That are yes, right. And Arizona so, State. Mm-hmm. So there, I think some of those schools are actively, you know, looking for some sort of alignment with a league. And can you talk about how important that is? Because I think there are some, I mean, I I think I know the answer, but I'd be curious to hear what your take is on that. I mean, it's very important to be in a league. I mean, scheduling, I mean, there are many other aspects to it, but trying to build a schedule and, and, you know, when Arizona State came in um, their first year, and well, even now, not being in league. I mean, when, when you get to late in the season and you're coming down the stretch, as I say, and in February, who are you going to play? Everybody's playing each other within their league down the stretch. And if you have a, like Alaska this year was in the mix for getting into the NCAA tournament and as an independent, if you by chance have a great year and you get in based on the numbers, you might have three weeks be between games. I mean, you concluded your right. season and then you're in the NCAA tournament. Your team hasn't played in three weeks. I mean, just just that aspect of it and, and um, you know, league decisions and policies and so on, it, it's tough in your, if you're an independent. So the, the hard part is hockey and, and a lot of people, CHI is, staff is doing a great job on this and soliciting interest, if you will, of programs to add. Uh, Illinois was one and, and there are others um, that have interest. But if you can't get into a league, what does your president say? Your president says, well, we're not going to be independent forever. So... We'll add, and then a few short years later, you're going to drop because you can't. So that's a struggle, and you can't force teams to take other teams, right? I mean, right. your league, you have a like-minded schools come together, and um, it's it's a it's a balancing act. It's hard. It's hard as an independent. Do you it's real hard? Do you think the the SEC, just based on their size and some of these larger conferences, will eventually add hockey? I hope so. Um, I hope so. And there are programs out there who do very well in the club level and have success at the higher club level. I remember years ago, I had the opportunity to work at the University of Kentucky and they had a program. They've always, they draw very well. Now, early on, I don't know if it's still the case, they would play their games at midnight, the students would show up and they'd be half in the bag and that created an interesting environment. But um, there are programs out there that have indicated that they are interested and the NHL has partnered with the College Hockey Inc., if you will, on behalf of College Hockey to throw some seed money at it for, you know, programs to explore hockey and see if they could do it financially. And But yes, I hope so. I thought Arizona State would be a linchpin, um, so to speak, that hasn't materialized yet with UCLA and USC going to the Big Ten. Arizona State's sitting out there. I'm hoping that programs like that can add it. I mean, with the NHL now in Seattle, maybe... Maybe there's a program up there the University of Washington would add. So I yeah. hope so. And it's funny. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned those schools because because before you said that, I said, well, you know, the Florida marketplace, right, is, mm-hmm. you know, with Tampa and their success at the NHL level with what Florida has recently done, um, you know, with in the Stanley Cup as well. I mean, that environment seems to, with a lot of, especially people from the Northeast and Midwest that move down there might mm-hmm. support, a, might support a, um, you know, a, you know, the college system if that was created down there. Uh, so with either the ACC or with the SEC, one of, you know, it, it seems like that environment is 
prime for a little bit of hockey. I agree. And then I look at Nashville and I look at Dallas and wonder why aren't there any, and there are, I think, uh, smaller schools, but I think, I think that's two additional, you know, areas of opportunity that hopefully in the near future, college hockey will be adding programs. Great. Let's talk a little bit about the success of uh, ECAC. I mean, um, under your tenure, if I'm not mistaken, that's three national championships with, I think, five visits to the Frozen Four when you include a couple more Quinnipiac trips. I mean, you know, listen, I, I understand that the, the, the coaches run the programs and so forth and so on, but listen, the, the ECAC is is certainly a conference that people want to get into, that people want to play. I mean, we're you know, Quinnipiac played North Dakota. They're playing the Michigans. They're playing the they're playing the larger schools. It's I I will say it's evolved. I won't say because I don't know every aspect of the ECAC, but it has certainly evolved into um, one of the premier conferences uh, that is that is out there in college hockey. I, I don't disagree. I've been along for the ride. Um, oh no, you've been a big part of it. Yeah, I think. No, I, yeah, I appreciate that. It, it's the programs, the administrators, and the coaches, and they're committed. They're 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 a unified group. Don't get me wrong. There are uh, in league battles. They want you know, obviously they're competitive and so on. And and um, but they've been united as a group. I I have over the years talked with my colleagues at various leagues and heard things about administrators or coaches. And I, I've never had that may be somewhat negative and hard to deal with. I've never had that. They've treated me extremely well and they, they get to get, again, they're competitive, but they, they're unified in their approach and they're committed and, and they've put resources into their respective programs. The coaches have done a great job on recruiting elite athletes and getting them to come to their universities. And, and um, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been interesting because when I started in 99 and, and I heard the easy AC for the longest time and, I think there was a nine-year stretch where on the men's side we didn't have a team in the frozen four which seemed like it it was forever and then um i think union broke that streak if you will in 2012 got to tampa um and then next year it's going to be in jail in the final and then next year union wins it and not you know not to mention that clarkson on the women's side wins it right so we, right they won a couple times we, right yeah they happened three times for them so it's been phenomenal i'm so happy to be part of it but i'm much happier for the people in this league who who have again devoted so much to this league to make it what it is. But your thoughts on the season, on how you saw it uh, b- before we get to the NCAs, and uh, from a Quinnipiac perspective? Yeah. Well, I, I thought they were great. I thought they were going to be really good going into the year. Um, I would talk to my colleagues or people out west, and they'd say, "Wow, I mean, how how good are they?" I'm like they're really good, and and they're they they deserve. I think they were number two for the longest time. I don't know what you know in the pairwise and so on. And people would poo-poo that, but um, I, I I felt that they were going to be really good. That they were, with all due respect to the other programs in our league, far and away our best team, um, and had the best shot. Not that others couldn't, but they they just they just had it something, um, and and I was confident that they were they were going to be in the mix um, from a national standpoint. You know, Lake Placid, like you said, there's just something there I don't know, and and maybe, maybe it is um, beneficial to have a loss in there um, to bring it back, and I, I think that that impacted them, certainly as, as we've seen in a positive way. But I thought they were going to be really good going into the year. Um, I'm going to jump ahead if you don't mind. I 
So I'm at the, at the final against Minnesota, and they go to overtime, and so I'm going to go and I'm take a walk around the arena just to pass time. And I hear the horn go, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to be a little bit late. And then I'm walking, and the horn goes again. And and I look, and there's a woman security guard standing in the corridor, and I can't see who scored. She goes, Minnesota. And I went, and and yelled inside the biggest swear word you could say. It was internalized. And I walk over and I said, that's not Minnesota. And I started running downstairs. Oh, that's awesome. So, you're, you're yeah. so, so you didn't actually see the goal at live, right? I didn't. I've watched yeah, it like a hundred times. Yeah, oh, hundred percent. I totally agree. I, <laughs> yeah. I know about three people that were in the arena that experienced, have told me that same exact story. So what's the role of the commissioner after the, uh, during the trophy presentation and uh, what's just, the... just watch and hug people and congratulate them. And, and I've always told people when they do it, it's like, you're a national champion forever, forever. And awesome. And so couldn't have been happier for Rand and the staff and Greg and Sarah. And yeah, that's that's my role. And again, I, I'm along for the ride. And uh, yeah, what a way to end it from from my perspective. But um, but that's going to help them, the brand I'm, of the ECAC, right? It's going to help. Oh, gosh. That. Yeah. 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 I, I certainly would think so. Um, hey, three, three and 10 years on both the men's and women's side. I mean, Again, nine-year drought where on the men's side, they didn't get a team. We, they, This league did not get a team in the Frozen Four. I think, and to I win think we, is, we is appropriate. You are, a, well, I uh, think we is yeah. appropriate. It, I would could have never scripted it better, certainly in the, my final year. Could have never scripted it in the 10 years, in the past 10 years for six national championships. I mean, aside from the NCHC on the men's side and the WCHA on the women's side, no other league can talk. We hope you enjoyed that conversation. In our next episode, we're going right directly to ESPN and Colby Cohen. And you know, he's famous for the hug. Well, Rand, you made this program Division I in 1999. Nobody's won more games than you in the past 10 years. Now you're going to hang that banner at your home rink. What does it feel like for you right now? I'm just, I'm just trying not to cry. I don't, I don't think I can do this. Uh, just proud, just awesome, awesome. Sorry, I can't, I can't. I need a hug. Give me a hug. Special thanks to former ECAC Commissioner Steve Hagwell, Billy Mecca, and Rand Pecknold for being guests on today's show. Our production crew is Justin Morowski, who is our producer and audio engineer. Jillian Catalano is our social media coordinator. David DeRoche handled the audio mastering. I'm Keith Woodward, and I'm your host. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the 10th second, and also follow the podcast account at QU Podcasts. And thanks again for joining us on this episode.